0: Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. I'm Phil. Joining me today is Logan. And on today's episode, number 74, we're going to do a vacation potpourri of topics, including a discussion about woodworking fasteners and dovetails. Thanks for listening.
1: This episode of the Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques, to furniture projects, to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com.
0: All right, so it's just the two of us, because John is on his fifth annual once-in-a-lifetime trip to Florida. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> now, one of the things that I want to talk. So, speaking of John Doyle, um, his new affinity for screws. No, well, I want to. No. I want to get to that also. Okay, but okay. the big thing that I want to talk about with John is, I don't know. It's fun to see how other people approach different tasks. Mm-hmm. Some people, it's a little cringy. Yeah, but. Uh, John is fascinating to me when he watches or when he works because he just takes different approaches to woodworking than I do. And sometimes I, whatever, but one of the things that he does that I think is super cool is the way he uses flush trim bits is amazing to me because I think of flush trim bits as your using them with a template you're copying parts yeah either for a specific shape usually something that's just not easy to produce or you have to make multiples so you have six of whatever and you just need to make copies of it Mm -hmm. and this is sort of a duh thing but john i see uses flush trim bits for just routine trimming tasks in general okay Something where I would either use a hand plane or files and rasps or an edge sander, something like that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But uh, so, case in point, we were doing a a shop cart for the TV show, and you had done the doors on it. Mm -hmm. And when we went to hang the doors with piano hinges, which should borderline be illegal,
1: yes. It should be.
0: Um, Once the doors were in place, there was just a subtle misalignment. I don't know if misalignment's the right word or if they just weren't quite square. But at the bottom, they were just kind of... And John... And we were thinking, like, do we cut it on the table saw and you just kind of shave it off, you know, using shims and the miter gauge or whatever. And John just kind of put a straight edge across the corners of the cabinet door on the lower edge of the door, penciled a line in, and then carpet taped a straight edge to it, took it over to the router table, and flush trimmed it right to that line. And it was like, duh. Yeah.
1: But... Now, I say this Full full well, and I've said it in the past, I think John Doyle is one of the smartest people we have on staff. I get that. Yeah. Because to me, I just take that to the edge, sander And just smoke it. Just (laughs) (laughs) light that puppy and smoke it. (laughs) Uh, But what he did with that in that instance works perfectly well. Right. Just as fast. Yeah. Now I had an instance this morning that I could have done exactly the same thing we uh, we're filming a TV show today, working on a patio table, picnic table. Um, and I had in the process of this glued up some iroko, uh, Iroco, uh, African hardwood. Right. Um, right. I could only get four quarter, not eight quarter like I needed. So I glued some up yesterday. Um, one of my pieces, I didn't didn't bother to join them or rip them or anything. I just, I, I jointed the face, cleaned them up, and glued them together just so I had a good flat mating surface. Uh, but right. one of my edges was was humped, and if I took that to the jointer, so so basically I had a straight edge, and then inset from that I had a humped piece on the the laminated part, if that makes sense. So I could yeah. take it to the jointer and joint off a bunch of it. Right. No. Sorry. I'm explaining that wrong. It was tapered. One edge was tapered. So so I had the lower section was nice and straight. The piece that was glued onto it was tapered. So if I straightened it, I was going to lose a ton of width and I wouldn't have had enough to make the four and a quarter inches that I needed. Flush trimmed it would have been perfect for that. And I'm sure that's exactly right. what John would have done. He would have just flush trimmed it so everything was flush and then you could have jointed it straight. And instead I just went to the bandsaw and zipped it off, um, which worked just fine. But yeah, I mean, just, it it all goes back to, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, you know, and in woodworking, there's a thousand ways to do different things.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm a pretty big advocate of, um, choosing some, a technique and kind of sticking with it until you kind of know it and you've sort of wrestled it to the ground to fully understand how it works what can go wrong Mm -hmm. what are the ways to make it better or whatever mastery I guess is probably the better term but I think it's also helpful to just kind of have the opportunity to see how other people do stuff even if you end up thinking that's bogus, I'm never going to do that. Yeah. At least it made you think about either that technique or your own approach to the same issue to wonder why why you do something one way or another and maybe to consider something no. else, you know, because another area that I see John with the flush trim bit is uh, making slots. Uh, you know, we did a tip where it was a, it was basically like a ripping jig for a circular mm-hmm. saw. You know, it was auxiliary base plate with a movable fence. And it had a cutout for the blade and blade guard assembly to come through. And he laid it out. It was half-inch plywood. You know, drew his lines. Uh, I think drilled out the radius. Maybe even not. Maybe just the starter hole. And then used a jigsaw and cut it out. And then he just double-sided tape little pieces of plywood right to his... Layout lines and then trip over to the router table with flush trim bit and buzzed it around, and it was totally, totally perfect. Yeah. You know, whereas me, I would have jigsawed it and had a bunch of tear out, been away from the lines, and then tried to either rasp or file it mm-hmm. down, gotten more tear out, and you know, as you grind it across the grain on the plywood, yep. and would have been sadly disappointed in how it looked because it looked like I would have, you know, just used explosives to get through it. So, you know, I see a lot of people use flush trim bits in a handheld router, but I mean, if John had a flush trim bit router table, that's it. He would be able to do a ton of wood. Which, to be fair, (laughs) I would, yeah. Yeah. I'm all, I'm down
1: for a second router table and that is a good bit to have in it. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, uh, it's funny because you said something about use it, sticking with the technique and, you know, keeping with it till you master it, but then it's worth trying other people's techniques. Well, that I've started doing lately and I always thought it was the, I didn't think it was the dumbest thing in the world. Um, but, uh, Chris Bexford, he uh, he f- he flushes his dovetails with a belt sander, right? And I'm like, that's the dumbest, like most non-shaker way to do that. You master <laughs> shaker furniture maker, you, uh, yeah. However, my d- my nightstands I built a couple of months ago, I I left the dovetails fairly proud, like not quite an eighth, maybe sixteenth proud. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to plate them down. Got a lonely old jack, no problem. Um, what I was finding is I was getting some fiber tear. What was happening is on the back side of the dovetail, as I was plating across it, the fibers were breaking off just that eighth or sixteenth of an inch that they were sitting above the surface, but they would also pull some fibers out. And I'm like, there's no oh. way this belt sander is going to work. Oh my God, it works so good. Like, I'm embarrassed. to admit it so now the belt sander is my dovetail trimming tool of choice (laughs) it's just like flush done you do have to be careful not to dig yourself a hole in your side of your wife's nightstand ask me how i know
0: right right yeah i mean definitely keep the belt Mm -hmm. sander moving do not
1: 36 grit belt is probably not what chris suggests so. No, probably not. But
0: although he is a pretty core, well, I think Chris is probably one of those rare guys that starts with a pretty yeah. coarse grit to get down there. But he's not afraid to have a pretty fine belt yeah. on there either, which is not something that I would normally yep. think of. A linishing belt on your belt sander, <laughs> right? Is that yeah, a, leather it's not a leather belt
1: drop? Yes, it is. <laughs>
0: So, uh, yeah, so anyway, it was just, you know, interesting to see John and the way he works. And he isn't a. And we get to talk about him Uh here because he's not here today. And nor can he self deprecate his way out of this. But he is an immensely skilled woodworker. And he would never admit to that. And I really appreciate what he does. And and he's efficient too like he cranks out stuff in a high quality I to make all my
1: props today for myself that sucked
0: yeah well because for people who don't know John is kind of the there's John is like the answer to just about Mm -hmm. every question like who's responsible for adding items to the woodsmith.com slash store page John who does the promotions for Woodsmith John, you know, and for the TV show and a lot of our video edition stuff, he'll do a lot of the initial prep work for parts for project pieces or in between setups or, you know, that allows Chris and Logan and I and whoever else is on camera to kind of focus on what we need to present and he'll get the, the heavy lifting out of the way.
1: Well, and he also, uh, having somebody that you can rely on like John helps us just move along you know what I mean like the like right. this morning oh, I yeah. had to, all that stuff I glued up I had to get it all cut to size but I didn't have time to get my second step which is the interior slats I didn't have time to get those all cut to size and surfaced down to the right thickness and usually that's where I'd be like hey John do yeah. you mind doing that and he's like oh yeah no problem yeah. Um, so definitely helps with efficiency a lot
0: yeah so yeah anyway I just appreciate it It, because like one of the projects that I'm working on for uh, a YouTube video video series is my workbench project and I've been very deliberately trying to do that myself just because it's going to end up living at my house anyway Um, but you're right seeing what how much in between work there is to get to the steps where we're ready to film something yep There's a lot. So, anyway, thanks to you. And you know he's gonna
1: listen to this tomorrow morning as he's at Disney, right? Yeah, that's just what he does. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep, that's what he does. Yep. So, another thing that John Doyle, at least around here, is known for, is for his extensive and robust use of Uh, wood screws. Like
1: detrimental use? Is that what you meant to say? (laughs) <laughs> when we went to move our old video studio from the building we were in right. trying to take cabinets down from the wall that John installed was like hey I got 12 screws out of it it has to be it why is it not coming off is it like painted to the wall is it right. stuck to the
0: wall it's like no there's 12, 12 more screws yeah so you you run the you run the utility knife all the way around it nope, nope it's not painted no and it's And the walls of the studio are, what is it, Yes. MDO panels, medium density overlay. So it's not drywall. So we can just screw to the wall wherever we want. However, he will still find where the studs are. And instead of just using, you know, an inch and a half screw through the back of the cabinet into the MDO, you're good to go. He has six or eight of those into the MDO, but then also manages to whip out a four and a half inch ba- yep. box of screws and drive them into the studs, yep. like all the way. But
1: he has. So. I think this project we're working on right now has convinced him to switch.
0: Right. Yes. Because the project that we're doing is a, like Logan said, is a picnic table. Um, And not just one of them dumb cross-buck pile of 2x4s bolted together picnic tables. This one is pretty pretty sweet looking, I think. And at the time when the plan came out, um, some of the structural pieces were joined with your standard lag screw. Which I'm showing for all the people who are listening on the YouTubes. Which... You know, that's what they were. However, John, when he went to get fasteners for it, came up with these, what are they, GRK Mm -hmm. structural screws. Now, it's going to live outside, and so we used stainless steel in spite of the extra cost. But these bad boys make lag screws. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Essentially, obsolete. Because those... The,
1: are those the SPACs brand? I don't remember.
0: GR, uh, okay. I think they're the GRK um, brand. They have like a serrated tip on them. Right. So there's a, you know, like a yeah. pocket hole screw has the like self-driving pilot hole. So it's got that little notch there. But these first... I don't know, four or five rows of threads so are drill, serrated like self, on the edge, like you said. Like say. self-pre-drilling, like no pre-drilling necessary. Yeah, and tapping, you know, so that it's not just wedging its way into the wood where it'll um, split, it actually drills. Um, and it's got a pretty strong shank in there, and you can see the threads project above The root of the screw pretty far whereas on a you know old-school lag Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of root and not a lot of thread and these bad boys also drive with a torx head driver which is I think infinitely nicer than a hex head 35 or something t30 they're huge yeah 30 yeah so they're just super cool Kind of a washer head. I mean, we're driving them into cedar for the base, and you gotta you have to pay attention, otherwise you mm-hmm. squash it right through. But um, they they just work so delightfully. We did drill dry drill, excuse me, clearance holes, but I didn't have to dr- drill a pilot hole into the into yep. the piece, which was super cool. I like that. Which made me think that there's a certain segment of woodworker dumb that is kind of anti-fastener. Yeah,
1: I would say there's the traditionalists, air quotes, that are, um, you know, everything's better to be assembled with mortise and tenon and glue than a dado and screws. Which I get right. from a romantic standpoint. Like, like you kind of like I get it but I also ain't got no time for that. I mean, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like there's a point where just screw the damn thing.
0: (laughs) Right. And I think that's the other thing is that, you know, like I want to do a good job Mm -hmm. in general. However, not every job requires the same level of correct thoroughness. You know, like you're working on a a nice toolbox for pop wood and you're doing it out of figured soft maple and dovetails. Totally appropriate. However, if you were doing, you know, like a built in storage cabinet that's going underneath the stairs of your house, not figured maple, don't need no, don't need no dovetails. Well, and not case maple. in
1: point, this soft maple was maple that I had ordered for my wife's built-ins, and I pulled it out and set it oh, aside see, there because it was figured. I'm like, I'm not going to use it for that. Like, no, that's right. exactly and this that's exactly what it would have been face painted face frame. face frame. So, however, there is instances like like you said. It, this is um, it's supposed to. I don't know. I don't want to sound. A, too floofy about it or anything but it's it's supposed to be a nicer toolbox like a i don't want to say a show show toolbox but yeah. like it's it's a toolbox designed to to take with you and go do shows and whatever I mean, you can size it for whatever you want it could never move for all yeah. i care um yeah. but like e- exactly but if, You're if you were going, going to, to class a class or, or, or something like or that. that i'm going to teach something somewhere um, it will hold all my necessities, uh, but there's a couple. There's gonna be a couple of cleats in there that hold the um, tool tray. There's a mid tray on top. I'm screwing those cleats in. Like I'm not going to dado them in right. and stick yeah. them in with glue. I'm gonna screw them in because yeah. And there's a practicality of it if I ever wanted to create a deeper tray. Like if my tool set that I'm moving or I'm bringing changes and I need to make that tray a little bit deeper or I can um reduce some of the height of the lower so like right now I have a a plane in there that is six inches tall to the tote or to the blade uh if for some reason I change what goes in the bottom I could lower that tray by removing four screws so there's some practicality to it um so there's always that fine dance I guess
0: yeah exactly um and I feel like a well executed. I mean, if you used, like dados and screws, or just screws, and you were care careful with it, yes. I mean, that's still a joint yes. that's going to hold And even you. These I'm gonna
1: I'm going to screw these runners in with little brass screws. There will be f- three screws on each cleat, two cleats. It's it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um. So, not terribly concerned.
0: Right. So. Anyway, just, again, thinking of John Doyle and his use of screws makes me think of... He would be disappointed in my three brass
1: screws in each cleat.
0: Right, yeah. He would still use the three brass screws, but then add three other ones. After hours, so nobody knew he added them. Right, yeah. Like, it's fine, but I'll just make it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyway, speaking of dovetails though, I have I saw you working on your dovetails for your toolbox and I'm still in the midst of doing the, my eight drawers for my workbench mm-hmm. and have been enjoying the process. I don't know that because I've said on other podcasts that I usually avoid dovetails, hand cut dovetails, mostly because of how much of a PIA, yeah, not so much that, just as like a measuring stick that other people use it in terms of yeah. woodworking. You know, like you're not a true woodworker until you use this, or, you know, like it's only if you're doing this, it's worth doing dovetails for every time. And it's like, eh, I don't think
1: yeah. so. Yeah. Which is funny because I've, I've had the same thought. It's like, I don't, I've had exactly the same thoughts where it's like, yeah, I like, I get it. Dovetails are nice, but. Ain't nobody got time for that. Like on most projects, it doesn't warrant dovetails in my opinion. But when you really sit down to cut them, it's like, Hey, if I take my time, throw on some music, it's soothing. It's yeah, it's good Zen woodworking. Right.
0: So yeah, Uh, what I thought was kind of interesting is, you know, seeing you cut yours, working on yours yesterday Mm -hmm. and you were in soft maple, which feels kind of like an oxymoron. (laughs) Yeah. It is because um, while it's softer than hard maple, it's still a pretty tight grain, solid mm-hmm. material. It's not birch. No,
1: you know. it is the same hard. And people always get this confused from a from a sawyer standpoint. I'm going to go on a little sawmilling tangent. So mute me if you want. Uh, people are always like ah soft maple. It's so soft. It's a pine. It's a softwood. No, it is a hardwood. It is the same janka hardness as walnut end of story that was my rant
0: it was a short one yeah no but it's still worth bringing up because they you know you hear soft maple and it's like oh so it's poplar or balsa or whatever nope but it's not yeah and you were talking about how nice you liked it for dovetailing yesterday and i've been working on my drawers which are fur white fur Mm -hmm. and I've, it's been a delight to do dovetails in that fur, like it cuts yeah. so nicely. Um, it is soft, yeah. I can dent it with my fingernail, but like cleaning out half, especially for half blinds, you know, where yeah. there's a lot of, you know, cleaning out the, in the sockets bum, yep. or whatever, where you have kind of blind corners, being able to get in there with a chisel pretty easily, mm-hmm. either with a mallet or paring to be able to clean out that stuff. I've been getting really, really pleasing results from it. And it's been an enjoyable process. Yeah. So,
1: even though I know a lot of people
0: just don't like dovetailing softwoods.
1: Yeah, and I fall into that category. And nothing more, no reason in particular, except for I don't like that the end grain a lot of times just smashes and crushes. When you're chopping out or cleaning up the dovetails. And like you said yesterday, it's not a glue surface. It doesn't matter. Um, Yeah. And that's completely true. It's just, in my head, I'm like, yuck. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) But it doesn't matter because you don't see it. Right. It's just, I I will always take a, like a walnut or soft maple. Even cherry, for the most part. Those are my three dovetail only woods okay so i i have done some pine and if you get good like uh my bench hook that i have at home so it's kind of like a dual purpose it's like my bench hook and my sawing hook kind of okay um it becomes a drilling backer board a lot of the times and a dovetail chopping backing board it gets a lot it gets around Mm uh but anyways i dovetailed that together it was just you know seven eight years ago and i was learning to cut dovetails that's what i did and yeah like a good quality pine will work really well oh um, yeah i yeah. would not want to try to that white fur is a little different because it acts more like a good quality pine
0: yes uh, i would agree. i would
1: not want to dovetail a like
0: construction grade douglas fir. <laughs> Right, or some of the, like, what is it, like, radiata plantation-grown pine that you see in one-by-wide boards where it would be okay, but it just feels mushy or something. I I don't like the stuff where you get, like,
1: that really big contrast in between the early and late wood. So Where where you have really pronounced growth rings that are hard, but then you have the the soft wood in between them, um, where... It's like you smash through that that hardwood, and then you get into the softwood, and it just like smush. You know, it's like oh, yeah. hey, there's the jello fluff or the marshmallow fluff. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, where you're basically yeah, you'd get the same results if you used a mallet without exactly. the chisel. So, how's your? so your tool chest that you're working on is like well, what did you say it was like 20 some inches yeah wide. it's 20 it's uh, it's roughly 20
1: wide by 12 inches deep by it will end up being about 12 inches tall um okay. so it's it's slightly larger than yours that you have in the editor shop i think um it's sized to hold in the base the in the whole thing and that's part of this this article that I'm working on is really sizing this for yourself, sizing this for the tools you sure. want to store. So I start off with saying, Hey, here are my three or four heaviest tools that I want to put in the bottom, lay them on the bench, nest them together nicely, and then use some painter's tape, tape it out and tape out what you could fit them in and then measure it. And then the next layer is going to be the, the removable tray. You already have the base taped out, so you know what the tray size is. So figure out what you fit in the tray. And then if you want storage right. in the lid, you have that all laid out, figure out what you could fit in the lid. So it's, I mean, yeah, the, uh, uh, the end goal is to end up with a, a tool chest, um, or a toolbox, whatever you want to call it. Um, but a, a large portion of the journey, if I want to get philosophical with it is figuring out what you want to store and figure out how to fit it all in there. So, um, so yeah, it's sized to fit a smoothing plane, a, um, in particular mine, the 62, the low angle plane, but a Jack plane. So a Jack plane, a smoothing plane. Um, also in the bottom will be my sharpening set. Okay. Um, right now is the oil stones and oil can. It might change to diamond stones. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I know I can't. I I have to change. I can't stick with something, Phil. Right. Uh, and then the next layer up. And well, and let me let me phrase this as well. I made the I made it so that there was a little bit of buffer room around the planes. So I think it will also hold. I, I know it will also hold my carcass saw in there if I wanted. Okay. My dovetail saw and my tenon saw. Uh well, tendon right. Tenon saw might, might be, be a little iffy. Yeah. My ten saw might be a little too long. But the carcass saw and the dovetail saw for sure will fit in there as sure. well in the base. Uh, the tray will be chisels with a removable tray for those chisels. Um, and then, like, layout tools. So, dividers, um, marking gauges, block plane will probably be in there. Um, I think my magger plane is going to go in the base as well. Um, and the trays... As, as nicely as we all try to organize and lay out the tool trays they just get full of crap so yeah. that's why I'm just keeping the chisels in a case everything else just throw it in right right yeah. I mean that's kind of how it's going to end up working anyways
0: and that's kind of how I view it like I mean obviously you want to take care to get some of your essentials in there but you're going to change and grow as a, yep. and the job is going to change too for whatever exactly. you're doing so you Want to make sure you fit some things in there, but it's also going to be a universal enough size that, you know, you could teach a router joinery class and Mm -hmm. put a palm router and a handful of bits and all that kind of stuff and still be well on your way with a sweet little setup. Exactly. Um, So, yeah. So, we know that tray is
1: going to be kind of a catch-all. Yeah. And then in the lid, is going to be a couple of the other bigger things. Mm -hmm. So... Unfortunately, my new Concepts Fret Saw will not fit in there, Um, so probably going to put in my Blue Spruce Coping Saw, my Square, um, I have a Japanese Pole Saw that's going to go disassembled in there so the handle will come off, the blade will go in there. Um, Maybe a couple of other small little odds and ends, uh, like a rasp, Um, Phil and I, we talked about that, maybe a rasp going in there, a file, something like that. but the the lid itself I'm, i've been trying to this is the problem not not really the problem but this is the weird thing the weird point you get to is you're designing as you build cuz i can see in my head yeah. what i want it to be Um, And this is quite honestly going to be based on the David Barron toolbox. Um, He's made a a couple of them. I've changed sizes and the ways. I I don't know how his innards work necessarily as far as the tray and cleats and stuff. So this is my own iteration of it. But I like how simple his box is. Um, Initially for the the lid of the box, I was going to do like a contrasting wood, like a a curly walnut or burly walnut Mm. type thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I want to go that route. I think I might just do the curly maple throughout. Okay. And I was going to do like a tapered top, so the top would be kind of like a a trapezoidal type mm, angles on it. Yeah. But I think I might just make it a curly maple panel that's inset. So it will be a thicker panel. Everything's 5 eighths of an inch. I think I might make that panel 3 quarters of an inch, have the bulk of the material to the bottom side to the inside because i'm going to be screwing some cleats and stuff to it so we'll leave that a little thicker but what that will allow me to do is if i inset that if down the road so we have a flat top with an inset Mm -hmm. panel if down the road i want to make another one of these it would they would stack like sustainers kind of Sure. you know like fancy curly maple sustainers eat your uh-huh. heart out festool right um but i was just thinking like oh hey if i had these like sitting on um you know the bench i could stack them because yeah. the bottom's going to have a couple of little runners on it it's like oh i could just they would almost snap together not i mean not snap together obviously but they would nest right. together really nicely. register so on they it. would register yeah. so i think i'm gonna go that route instead okay so yeah, so we'll be like curly that. maple throughout, flat top. I'm excited. I'm exci- Quite honestly, I'm excited. I, I built a tool tote that we had in Woodsmith mm-hmm. a number of years ago. Um, I built it for Video Edition, and I've been using that, and that's what I use to kind of carry my tools around and bring my tools between my shop and here and stuff. And it works really well, but I just wanted something that had a little more storage and fit my sure. planes a little bit better. Like, that was that's a really good, like, throw your screwdrivers and stuff like that. It doesn't have right. a lot of depth, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Unless you yeah. take the top tray off. Yeah. So I'm excited to have something that will work a little bit better for the stuff I do.
0: And there's a... I mean, there's an appeal to little tool totes and toolboxes like that that sure. are just even though I love my tool cabinet at home in my shop and it works fantastic. I do have a little tool chest here where I keep some of my personal tools for when I need to do projects here just because I know they're all going to be set up for me and not lost Mm -hmm. or someone else is using them or something like that. But there's, I don't know, we've done a bunch of them in shop notes and woodsmith and every time I stumble across one in the course of looking for some other stuff through past issues, it's like that would be super cool to make. Yep, these are just fun. They're just—it's a fun project. Yeah, for sure. I don't think a person could really have too many tool totes. Mm-hmm. Nope. Even if you just built them and then ended up giving them away to somebody else.
1: Yeah, or they become like fancy storage containers. Right. Because we call yeah, it tool- exactly
0: because we call it a tool tool it
1: just doesn't mean it has to have tools and it. it could have sewing stuff in it. Right. You know. Oh yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Legos. Yeah whatever yeah my kids are too big of buttheads to make them a nice box for their Legos (laughs) somebody would end up getting
0: smashed over the head with it probably see now I remember as a kid every Sunday afternoon we would go visit my grandma Mm -hmm. my dad's mom and it was just a weekly event that we did and as a little kid going to see an old lady not super Mm -hmm. fun So we would end up bringing along Legos to play with. So we would have little projects that we made in terms of, you know, whatever, whatever our interests were at the time. And he and my brother and I would have little boxes that we would carry stuff in so that we could keep it with us. Or when we went camping, we would bring Legos with us to play with while we were, you know, because it always seemed like whenever you pick a week to go camping, that's The week it's going to be for sure. So we were stuck inside our pop up camper and yep. just be on our yep. pull out bunk playing with Legos. My, my
1: boys' things that they carry stuff around in are um, vintage lunch boxes that I got them. It's like, oh yeah, snap, that would so, be super cool. Like, my youngest has a Hulk lunch box, a vintage stamped tin Hulk lunch box. It's super cool. It was
0: like, it's his favorite thing. <laughs> it was the best three dollars I have ever spent. So, all right, yeah. that's yeah. fair. All right. With that in mind, let's wrap up today's show. Thanks for listening to the Shop Notes podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, or any favorite tool totes that you have, or favorite fasteners, send them our way. You can put them in the comments on our YouTube channel, or email us, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next Friday for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Bye, everybody.
1: This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.